Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, October 5th, 2017. As I'm sure most of you are aware, even though there's lots of important news going on everywhere else, we've got the continuing uh, crisis in Catalonia and <clears throat> Spain. Uh, I might be blogging a bit about that this coming week. Uh, President Trump announcing that we have uh, he's getting ready to decertify the special deal with Iran and so on. And some interesting news, of course, from Germany about the last elections. I hope to be blogging perhaps a bit about that. I don't know uh, a bit more about what's going on there. But as all of you know, the uh, United States is really talking about the recent shooting in Las Vegas. And I want to remind everybody, before I start today, what I said in my recent blog, be inert. Don't let uh, the narratives stampede you. And that, I would aver, includes the alternative media <coughs> um, narratives. A lot of useful information, however, is coming out in that alternative community. I want to be discussing some of that today uh, and give you what I think may be a, and again, take it with a grain of salt, folks, this is speculation, but there is a, a bit of information that I literally just latched on to uh, before starting the video feed, so I have not had time to verify or anything like that. Again, I'm presenting it to you. If you guys go out and dig a little bit more, please keep me apprised. But there is something that has come up in some circles of the alternative community that may shed a deeper light or cast, rather, a longer shadow over the whole thing. I want to begin with an article which I did not have time to link. This is from Dave Hodges, something called The Common Sense Show. And he wrote an article called The Correlation Between Psychiatric Drugs and Acts of Violence. The reason this article intrigues me is that we've seen stories that uh, the alleged shooter, Stephen Paddock, was um, on a prescription of diazepam, commonly known as Valium. And he's talking in this article about the link between these types of acts of violence, which according to the narrative that seems to be emerging, this was a lone nut. Uh, like I said in my blog, we also have indications or at least claims from ISIS that he was a convert and so on and so forth. None of, none of this as yet has been verified. These stories are coming so fast and furious. Uh, you know, I don't have an investigative staff, so take even that with a grain of salt, although it wouldn't surprise me. But Hodges lists a bunch of people in his article that have committed acts of violence that were subsequently discovered to have been on some sort of drug. Uh, he lists a bunch of these in the article. I'll read a few of them to you. Patrick Purdy, 25, in 1989, opened fire on a schoolyard filled in, with children in Stockton, California. Five kids were killed and 30 wounded. Steve Leith of Chelsea, Michigan, in 1993, walked into a school meeting and shot and killed the school superintendent, wounding two others while on Prozac. In Springfield, Oregon, on May 21st, 1998, 15-year-old Kip Kinkle murdered his parents and then proceeded to school where he killed two and wounded 25. He had also been taking the antidepressant Prozac. Uh, again, this according to David Hodges' article in April of 1999 near Notice, Ohio. 
15-year-old Sean Cooper fired two shotgun rounds in his school, narrowly missing students. He was pre uh, taking the a prescribed SSRI antidepressant and Ritalin and had been seeing a psychiatrist. On the infamous date of April 20th, 1999, at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, 18-year-old Eric Harris and his accomplice Dylan Claybold killed 12 students and a teacher, wounding 26 others before killing themselves. Harris was on the antidepressant Lubox. Um, Klebold was probably on psychotropic medication, but his medical records remain sealed. In Conyers, Georgia, on May 20th, 1999, 15-year-old T.J. Solomon was being treated with the stimulant Ritalin when he opened fire on and wounded six of his classmates. Ritalin is meth, pure and simple. How could any reasonable person expect a different result? And so on and so on. So the important thing to take away from that is apparently the shooter had been on one of these uh, drugs um, with all the calls for regulating guns predictably coming out in the wake of this uh, sad event. Uh, we might need to take a look at regulating these things. Um, I mean, if you're going to follow that logic, of course. But um, what I really have been captured by, and I put a video up on the uh, links below uh, that will, when I eventually post this uh, news and views, there is a video on YouTube that I have linked that apparently is a customer that was staying at the Bellagio, which is some distance away, I think about a mile or so, away from the Mandalay, and apparently there were shots being reported, fired at the Bellagio as well, although the news is not reporting this. I've posted, I will post this lady's YouTube video, because if that is true, then of course we are dealing with something more than just the lone nut assassin, and apparently a an attempt to coordinate an operation that may have been, again, uh, none of this has been substantiated as yet that may have been uh, taking place at at least one other casino hotel in Las Vegas, a very famous one, of course, the Bellagio. But I want to get to a um, a another video, or, pardon me, another article which I have also uh, been given. And again, I didn't have time to link this. The title of the article here is 16 Unanswered Questions About the Vegas Shooting That the Mainstream Media Does Not Want to Talk About. And these 16 questions are very interesting. Number one, photos of Stephen Paddock's hotel room have been leaked, and one of the photos appears to show a suicide note. Why hasn't the public been told what is in that note? Number two, were there additional shooters? A taxi driver reportedly captured video of an automatic weapon being fired out of a lower window. I've looked at that video. Apparent, to me, it just looks like reflecting lights from the concert, but again, who knows? Number three, why were law enforcement authorities discussing another subject on the fourth floor, and why hasn't the mainstream media been talking about this? Number four, as John Rappaport has pointed out, it would have been possible for Stephen Paddock to kill and wound 573 people in less than five minutes of shooting with the kinds of weapons he is alleged to have used. So why won't law enforcement individuals and authorities acknowledge this fact? 
Number five, how did Stephen, how in the world did Stephen Paddock get 42 guns and several rounds of ammo into his room without anyone noticing? Number six, how did someone with no military, this is an important one, how did someone with no military background that wasn't a gun guy at all operate such advanced weapons? Because what we are being told by the mainstream media just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I really like how Natural News made this point, quote, from what the firearms illiterate media claims, these are not systems that any Joe off the street can just pick up and use to effortlessly mow down 500 people. Running these systems requires extensive training, experience, and stamina. It is physically impossible for a guy like Stephen Paddock, unless he's on drugs, of course, to operate such a system in the sustained, effective manner that we witness, especially when shooting from an elevated position, which throws off all the ranging of the weapon system. Uh, number seven, why was one woman telling people in the crowd that they were all going to die 45 minutes before the attack. And that, as far as I have been able to determine, might be true. There is a video of a lady being interviewed that states that there is a woman going around about 40 minutes before the incident saying that they were all going to be murdered. But again, all of this, folks, you can plant witnesses. Remember what I wrote in my 9-11 book? There was one very suspicious witness being interviewed on the streets of Manhattan after the Twin Towers had been struck and before they came down that acted like he was reading a script. Well, you know, I'm worried about the airplane fuel bringing the, you know, weakening the structure of the buildings and bringing the buildings down. Uh, I think that man was clearly a plant. So you can plant people in uh, the witness pool and they will begin to tell stories. So in other words, even that we have to be careful of. Why did it take law enforcement authorities 72 minutes to get into Stephen Paddock's uh, hotel room? Why did he wire $100,000 to the Philippines last week? Uh, why was Paddock's girlfriend, Mary Lou Donnelly, in the Philippines when the attack took place? Uh, why is ISIS so eager to take responsibility for the attack? They have upped the ante again just today, uh, repeating their claim. And so on and so on. So in other words, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Now, that brings me to this one. I did link this article. Again, this is an article putting its own alternative media spin on things. But there's one very, very disturbing statement toward the beginning of this article that when I read it, and again, this is a statement, uh, that is has its own link, all right? Listen carefully. Stephen Paddock, the government agent. First understand that Patsy Stephen Paddock had been employed as an IRS agent, a defense auditor, and a U.S. postal mail car carrier. Now, you know, you've, you've gone from defense auditor, you know, an actual accounting professional position, to a mail carrier. Again, you know, the legend here, folks, the biography is just so uh, apparently ridiculous in some aspects, but it's that defense auditor part that caught my attention. Quote, the mainstream media explanation for exactly how Paddock has preoccupied himself over the past many years as a gambler who traveled the high seas is a perfect alibi for what he really was, an, an agent of the deep state. 
We already know that the deep state will eliminate its various agents or take them out of commission by giving them new identities wherever necessary. The key point here is that Paddock was chosen to be the patsy for very good reason, which will eventually reveal itself. Now, this, folks, is the first time that I have run into an article, and I'm getting flooded with articles, folks, which is fine. I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, there's so many articles. I have to kind of pick and choose and relay the information to you. I'm not putting the stamp of approval or anything on the information that I'm relaying, but this one stood out. An accountant who was an auditor, apparently in some position, if this allegation be true, an auditor in some position for the Department of Defense. The reason that caught my eye is rather obvious because uh, along with Catherine Fitz and Richard Dolan and a few other people, I've been tracking this idea that there's some sort of breakaway civilization in existence and uh, I've posited a hidden system of finance. Catherine Fitz has looked at missing money from the federal budget um, and so on and so on. Uh, if you're an auditor in that position, that may give you some very key um, inside information on what may really be happening. And the choice of him as a patsy to conveniently remove is, I think, a little bit more than coincidental, um, if that story is true. Now, shortly before, and this is a rare first for me, I get inside or whistleblower information from people all the time. Okay, I very, very rarely ever report on it. This one is so significant in the light of what I just read you concerning defense auditor position. And again, please understand, I have not had time to vet that claim. So I'm putting it out there. I'm relaying the information to you. But I received a um, an email from someone. I won't reveal the name of this individual. I will try not even to reveal the sex of this individual. And the email reads this way. Um, the, the whole thing here is very, very disturbing, but there's one paragraph in this email that corroborates that other article about Paddock being an alleged defense auditor or allegedly being a defense auditor. And again, I'm relaying information I've not had time to vet. In fact, this may be planted information for all I know. Um, but it does corroborate this other story. And the paragraph reads as follows, quote, between the years of 1986 and 1988. So in other words, it's very specific. Stephen Paddock was employed as an arms smuggling pilot, which would have of course, account for the strange cache of arms in his motel room. As an arms smuggling pilot in the CIA's Operation Cyclone program to arm and finance the jihadi warriors Mujahideen in Afghanistan. So in other words, that would corroborate the connections we've been hearing about coming out in the news. 
with flights based from Pakistan, with Paddock being played, or pardon me, paid through an American defense company named Allied Signal, a company that is now owned by Honeywell, but which in 1982 became embroiled in the Martin Marietta War, with Martin Marietta eventually merging in 1995 with Lockheed to become the United States' largest defense company named Lockheed Martin. And again, we have seen allegations, other allegations coming out that indeed Paddock did have some sort of connection to Lockheed Martin. Uh, and whose only statement on these facts state, quote, Stephen Paddock worked for a predecessor company of Lockheed Martin from 1985 until 1988. We're cooperating with authorities to answer questions that may have they may have about Mr. Paddock and his time with the company, unquote. So in other words, yes, uh, we have now specific allegations of an agency role, an arms smuggling role, a connection to the Mujahideen, which of course subsequently becomes Al-Qaeda, uh, the leader, one of the leaders of the, Mujahid the Mujahideen being or having been Osama bin Laden who, again, other researchers have pointed out, was probably recruited as a CIA asset to lead that struggle against the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. So a lot of connections here that are being alleged. I'm passing this on to you because if all of this is the case, and particularly that defense auditor business, then what we're seeing here with this guy uh, not only is he a patsy, but he's a very convenient one um, to remove if you are fearful that he is possessing information that you do not want to be disclosed. Uh, this, plus that Bellagio video uh, that I have posted, seems to indicate that there's a lot more going on here than meets the eye, folks. Um, again, I'm trying to be inert myself and not be stampeded into various narratives. I'm putting it out there for you to consider. Uh, I do think personally now it is looking very, very likely that once again, we're seeing all the signs, all the classic signs of some sort of operation that could only have been carried out. Again, this is my opinion. It doesn't necessarily need to be yours. Um, that we're seeing all the classic signs of yet another operation carried out by people with some very sophisticated means to do so and some very uh, creepy agendas. Now, one thing I've noticed is there has been no discussion uh, in the media of recovered bullets. After all, supposedly bullets are striking the ground. I want to know, and you should want to know, if all of the recovered bullets are of the same caliber. In other words, are they coming from the same weapon? Uh, and were, is that weapon or weapons the weapons we find in the room uh, that was allegedly stormed uh, and Mr. Paddock shot? Uh, and in some versions of the story, he shot himself. So in other words, what I'm trying to get across here, folks, is the event, in a certain sense, tragic as it was, the event is not the event. The real event is, are the narratives being assembled about it? That, that's the event. As I cautioned everybody, we're already seeing 
a certain element of the political spectrum trying to capitalize on this as a crisis of opportunity to drive certain agendas, um, which we all know what they are. So please uh, take this information, do with it what you will. Uh, I wanted to present it to everybody because I literally just received it today. Uh, but take it with a grain of salt. Um, if you're interested in going out and pursuing some of these leads I've put out there, then by all means do so. And if you have the inclination, please share them. Um, tomorrow we do have our vid chat. That will be at uh, 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time for our uh, North and South American members and our members in the Pacific Basin. I'm likely, as I always do, I'm likely to start it somewhat early. I have no idea how many questions I'll be getting. Uh, I'll, be, I'll probably be in pre-chat as well, as I also usually am, uh, two to three hours early before the vid chat, just to chat with members and, and talk about various things. But anyway, folks, lots going on here in this Las Vegas shooting. I'm amazed, really, at how quickly... Uh, all of this information has been developed uh, by various people. Um, so I hope that uh, this will prove to be of some benefit to you. We'll see you on the flip side, and I hope to see all the members in the vid chat tomorrow. Bye-bye, and God bless everybody.